You're listening to the Denver Real Estate Investing Podcast, where it's all about helping you grow your Denver real estate portfolio. Here's your host, Chris Lopez. Hey, everyone. Chris Lopez here. And today's episode is part of our deal analysis blitz. So we'll be talking about a detached single family home uh, that we bought as a rental property in Aurora. Now, I'm excited to talk about this because we often talk about condos and uh, single family property, single family detached properties are usually the properties we buy the least of for rental properties. And so this is a solid number, uh, a solid rental property with good numbers. So I'm excited to share it and also answer any questions out there. My co-host today is Preston Newberry, uh, who's an agent with me at Denver Investment Real Estate. And we uh, brought this together ourselves for a client. Preston, how's it going? Going great, Chris. Thanks for having me on. This, uh, like you said, was something we don't do a whole lot of. So this was a fun and, and different project to work on, and I work with these clients to get this one under contract and uh, and get it closed for them. And so, if you guys follow our podcast or follow the Denver market, you know why we don't buy a lot of single family homes, and that's just because of the price point, or I should say, the you know the rent to the price point. So it has a lower cap rate. Generally speaking, single family homes have the lowest cap rates out of between multis and condos and townhomes. So obviously a important aspect of buying a rental property is making sure that uh, you wanna buy a lower price rental property since rents are usually pretty much the same for a lot of the uh, outskirts of town. So some of the lowest price points detached, lower price point detached properties around Denver is in North Aurora. And we really like around the Anschutz Medical Complex. So that's right, you know, at 225 and Colfax. Uh, just because lots of, you know, lots of homes around there, lower price points. And if you guys have driven that area, you know, those hospitals have grown a lot. They put a lot of money in there and they will change uh, that area. So it's going to bring, you know, more, more renters, more buyers, more businesses. And that should always have good demand and hopefully see lots of upside on the rents and also for price appreciation. Plus, a lot of the areas over there are in opportunity zones, which are those federally uh, or those zones that get favorable federal tax treatment, where basically it's it's trying to drive big money uh, into redeveloping the area. So for us and our clients, you know, the mom and pop investors, we really can't take advantage of the opportunity zone tax credits. But what we can do is we can ride the coattails of the bigger investors who are putting in millions and tens of millions of dollars, ride their coattails and just let them change the neighborhood. And we can enjoy the price and rent appreciation while we're over there. So the investor profile for this property, uh, they did not want an HOA. They are very familiar with HOAs and just did not want it. Uh, did not want it. So they wanted a single family home. And like a lot of our clients, having strong cash flow today or maximizing cash flow today is not their main priority. They want a property that'll pay for itself, but building a long-term retirement rental portfolio is their goal. And they wanted to have a property in Denver to avoid any out-of-state hassles. So these clients, I know they had looked at out-of-state, realized, hey, that wasn't for them. And they had tried uh, working with some wholesalers couldn't find any deals for them. And they said, hey, guys, we just been kind of spinning our wheels for a couple months. Can we sit down and get your help? We said, absolutely. And then after we took them through our process, we sat down and did our investment strategy proper, uh, our investment strategy meeting. We were in a contract here within, I think, a month or so. 
And like a lot of our properties, for rental properties, this one came off the MLS. So our 12-month average is 68% of our rental properties, we found them on the MLS. So the vast majority were from the MLS. So Preston, why don't you walk us through the uh, details on this property? So um, this one actually happened pretty quick. We uh, worked with these clients, as you said, for a couple of weeks, just kind of analyzing properties and kind of going through the process and, and getting everything narrowed down. And finally, when we decided to go out and start looking at some properties, we picked a day and had three on our list, which is typically what we'd kind of like to do. That way we don't get uh, analysis by paralysis and overwhelmed by looking at too many properties. So uh, took an afternoon and went and looked at uh three properties that day. And this happened to be the first one, I believe that we looked at. So um, went and looked at the other two and kind of saw what else was out there and circled back around and decided that this was the one that worked. We looked at the numbers, matched it to the spreadsheet. This property was in really, really good condition overall. Um, it was on a slab foundation. So just a single level house, uh, three bed, two bath overall in really good condition. Uh, and we looked at the rent numbers and obviously with the location and everything going on there, it just made sense. So this property had been on the market for uh, over 75 days. Um, and I reached out, hey, you know, obviously it looks like you've got a seller who's got a, a price in mind and, you know, you guys have been sitting on the market for a while. And this is at a time when things were still really pretty hot out there. And uh, we kind of put together our presentation with our offer and contract after chatting with, uh, with the listing agent and, you know, basically said, hey, this is what we think the house is worth. Um, they had listed it at, uh, at 330 and based on the comps and everything around, just kind of made a, a good case for what we thought the, the value of the house was. And after some conversations and going back and forth, uh, the seller finally agreed to, you know, our purchase price at 315. So that was great. And that's just another part of what's good about working with our team and, and our ability to really see what the values are of properties. And like we've mentioned in other podcasts, we don't want our clients to overpay for anything. We want to make sure we're getting good value and market value for the properties that, uh, that we're purchasing. So, you know, based on the location, it was near the hospital that checked off all the boxes for this uh, investor profile and we were able to put a deal together. And talk about the contract here. Um, what about, I know we got a contract here. What was the inspection like? Uh, yeah, so inspection overall was pretty good. Nothing we didn't um, really see other than some electrical issues that uh, came up during the inspection. It looked like they'd done some handyman type electrical work there. And uh, eventually, you know, some of that stuff just doesn't always work out. So it needed a new water heater, um, just some deferred maintenance type items, but nothing that were really uh, deterrents to to our clients. A big concern was just trying to get some of the electrical stuff sorted. So um, once we got through that, we had an electrician come back out and, and look at all the electrical stuff and determine what really needed to be done. And we were able to work out uh, a little bit of a concession with the seller um, and keep moving forward with the contract. <clears throat> and so actually, I'm going to circle back around because you mentioned on something a minute ago that this was the very first time they went out to look at properties and actually probably the very first property they looked at. Um, why did they pull the trigger? Because I know some people say never buy the first property look at, never buy the first 10 properties. What was different about them and our situation as to why they felt well moving forward? Chris, I think a lot of that uh, with our clients and the education and, and setting the expectations and really helping people understand and figure out what type of property fits their profile and their comfort level and things like that. And, you know, to be honest with you, we're starting to see an increasing amount of our clients making offers on, you know, houses they see the first time we go out and look at them or even, you know, the very first house that we go look at. So I'd like to think that we're doing a pretty good job with our clients about setting those expectations. And, um, you know, it just makes the whole process a lot easier 
for our clients and, and saves everybody a lot of time with being able to do that education and, and all that stuff up front and analyzing properties and really getting a feel for what we're going to look at and what those properties are going to be like in real life. All right. So the financing on this property was they went with a conventional loan, so a 30-year fixed loan, and they put down 25% to get the best interest rates. Uh, when the appraisal came in, or when we did the appraisal, part of the contract agreement, we came in above asking price. So that's great. We were able to negotiate the price below their original list price, and the appraisal came in above asking. So I have on the PowerPoint that we had, did not have any seller concessions, but you said we got a little bit, Preston? Uh, I mean, it, it wasn't much, um, but it was enough to make the the buyers happy with everything. I know, you know, we kind of went back and forth about what the overall uh, needs were going to be with the electrical system. And, uh, you know, the seller was able to come back. I think they helped us out with like a home warranty, but it wasn't anything crazy, but it was enough to make everybody feel comfortable going okay. forward. And yeah. And so since they put more than 20% down, they had no PMI and they did not buy their interest rate down. So I got, yeah, a question. got a question from Aaron. Yes. You want to talk about our secret sauce? Yeah, so Aaron's question says, love the secret sauce reference to getting under contract. Can you describe it generally, the process with the, without divulging any of the sauce? <laughs> that is a good question, and you did a really good job boarding that. <laughs> uh, Preston, you can have a stab at that one. Yeah, so, you know, secret sauce, because this is typically kind of falls into my wheelhouse, it, it just comes down to being able to understand what the sellers are looking for and how that fits into what our buyer clients are after and, and being able to create an offer that is a win-win for everybody. And that's something that we really strive to do. You know, we want to make sure that everyone comes out feeling like they got a good deal out of, you know, whatever process we're going through. And, and it's something that we've kind of put together over the years and just have certain things and, and ways that we go about um, working with different clients to make everybody feel like uh, they're getting a win-win out of this whole process. Yeah, very well, very well said, Preston. So moving on to the analysis here. So what we have on the PowerPoints now, if you guys can't see because you're listening to the audio, is I've taken a, I've plugged all the numbers into the spreadsheet that we use from Joe Massey, uh, plugged the numbers and took a few screenshots. So if you want to see the numbers yourself, click on the show notes and we put these uh, spreadsheet screenshots on the blog. You can always email us as well if you're going to copy the spreadsheet because we do remove the address from there. So you have the numbers if you want to play around with it. So I plugged in the basic details. Uh, we selected investment property. We are putting 25% down. We put in the purchase price of $315,000. They had acquisition costs of about $2,500. Their loan costs around $1,500. So altogether, their down payment was just under $79,000. So 25% of $315,000 is about $78,000 and change. And then their initial repair cost for that electrical work is about $1,500. So altogether, between the acquisition cost, your loan cost, the down payment, and what we consider the rent-ready cost, they were all in for about $84,000. And the reason we like to include initial repair cost or rent-ready cost, I use those words interchangeably, is because if you have to spend money to get the property rented or get the max amount of rent, we feel like you should include that in your analysis because that's when you have to spend that leaves your checking account and therefore you're losing the opportunity cost. So we always like to look at, hey, great, we bought for this much. 
but then how much money do we have to put in there to get the property rented uh, and bring in top dollar? So about uh, 84000 was their total investment. Their mortgage rate is at 4.5%, and they're doing a 30-year fixed mortgage. So the rent for this property is $1,995 a month, and we plugged in our usual variables, a 3% vacancy, 3% annual rent increase, and a 5% annual appreciation rate. The effective tax rate is around 25%. So plugging, looking at the monthly operating expenses and plugging those in, they are using property management. Now, we put in 10% uh, in our underwriting. Now, our property manager is actually charging them 7%, but we round up to 10% to help uh, other associated costs with property management. Since this is a detached property, meaning there's no HOA and no common walls, we like to use 8% for monthly reserves. So that's basically one month's worth of rent. We're saying, hey, that's what you're going to need to uh, set aside for general repairs and maintenance and also just starting to build up that part of the bank account because one day you will have to replace a water heater or pay a deductible on a roof or do some bigger item than just a couple dollars here for you know some small work. So there's no HOA. Uh, the real estate taxes are just over $2,500 for the year, and their annual property insurance was actually only $932. As far as all the utilities, water, sewer, trash, electric, that's all being paid by the tenant. And when it comes to out, you know, taking care of the landscaping, so snow removal, mowing the lawn, that type of stuff, that's also the tenant's responsibility as well. So they did a really good job of you know having tenants take care of items and also just you know minimizing their operating costs so that way they can enjoy more cash flow. So going on to the next screenshot here, uh, the total annual expenses. Is about $7,700. So that's all the items we just talked about. So if you take the rent minus those expenses, that leaves you with a net operating income of about $15,500. Now, their monthly mortgage payment, and this is just for principal and interest, is just under $1,200 per month. And that's at a 4.5% interest rate. So if you annualize that, it's just over $14,000 a year. Now, if you subtract that from the NOI, the annual cash flow is just under $1,100 a year. So, I mean, really, I mean, what's that like, Preston, what's like $90 a month or so? So yeah. when you see numbers like this for a property like this, what's your reaction? I mean, it's definitely lower than some of the numbers we see. And, you know, whatever we compare it to the condo <clears throat> units that we've analyzed, this is definitely quite a bit different. But for the profile of these investors and knowing, you know, the upside and potential upside, especially, you know, five, 10 years down the road, I think this is pretty average and on par with what we're going to find for the detached single family stuff, um, especially, you know, knowing this price point, right? I mean, it's a pretty low price point for uh, a detached single family home. So I think these numbers are, are actually pretty good, right around that five, 5% 5 cap rate. Yep. And you, you hit on something very important that it matched the investor's profiles, they are they definitely not want an HOA and they didn't have enough money saved up to go buy a multi-unit since that would require quite a bit more money down. So they are very happy with a property like this and they know in the long run this will make them you know good money in cash flow as rents hopefully continue to increase and properties uh, values hopefully continue to increase as well. So looking at the metrics, 
It's a 1.3% cash on cash return and it's a 4.9% cap rate. So believe it or not, this is actually, you know, better than a lot of the properties you see out there for detached properties. A lot of times those are, you know, in the four to four and a half percent cap rate range. Uh, again, when we do do real underwriting, including property management, repairs, and maintenance, so getting a detached property around a five percent cap rate uh, is a really good is a very good deal in this current market. So overall, if you look at the return on investment quadrant, which is that visual guide we use from James Orr up in Fort Collins, they are getting an estimated twenty seven percent return on their money that very first year. Now, cash flow at a one point three percent return. That's the lowest percent return. Now, if you look at the uh, two things on the bottom of the quadrant, depreciation and debt pay down, depreciation is just under a 3% return and debt pay down is about a 4.5% return. So if you add those two together, I mean, that is what over 7% right there. So that's getting guaranteed, a, Chris. Yeah, I mean, it's guaranteed. And that's why, oh, wow. I mean, Preston, have you got seven percent in your in your uh, retirement plan the last month? Definitely on the last month, Chris. <laughs> yeah. And we say that because right now, you know, we're uh, a, a few weeks into the coronavirus, where the stock market has melted down. Um, now we all we we invest in stocks. We believe in it. We believe in the long term stock market. But we also that's one of the reasons we like about real estate. And one of the points that people don't often talk about is that depreciation, no matter. What happens to the real estate market, no matter if you have to drop the rents, no matter if prices go up or down, no matter if the property is vacant, you are still getting that guaranteed tax deduction from the federal government, and that ends up being a good amount of money. Now, also, as you pay your mortgage payment, and hopefully you know that's really your tenants paying your mortgage payment through their rent, is they're also getting a – they're buying back equity every single month in their property. So look at the fact that, hey, yeah, we're making, you know, basically $100 a month in cash flow, but then we're getting a 7% return on the rest of our money before we even consider appreciation. Overall, it's a very good use of their money because you're still getting a, you know, a pretty much certain double or a, a pretty high chance of a double digit return. Uh, and that's just a great thing we like about real estate. Now, of course, if that property appreciates, as I mentioned a minute ago, you know, we are in the middle of the coronavirus pandemic right now in early April. Uh, so whatever happens to prices in the long run, since they own it, it's on a 30-year fixed, uh, in the long run, I have a very, I expect that part of town to appreciate quite a bit. Hey, it may, who knows, it may go down, it may go flat, but in the long run, with that location, that price point, what do you think that value will do, Preston? Well... Based on everything we've seen and all the data we have, Denver will always keep appreciating. We might have a few bumps in the road, but we know that eventually it's going to come back around and we're still going to see, you know, upside on appreciation. And especially in this part of town, I mean, there's so much development going on over here that I don't see really any reason where they're going to lose money on the appreciation side. So just to wrap up uh, this deal analysis, um, like I said, this was a Good deal that matched our investors' criteria almost perfectly. So we're very happy about that, happy with the property. And something that I always like to look at as well, I don't mention it very often in when we do the deal analyses, but I always like to look at what the operating expense ratio is. So that's, hey, what are all the property costs except for the mortgage debt? So your taxes, insurance, property management, repairs and maintenance, vacancy. What's that cost? And the way we underwrote it came out to a 32% operating expense ratio. 
and which is right in line with our market rule of thumb of a 33% operating expense ratio. So a 1% difference um, is negligible because 1% is not going to make or break anyone. So bottom line is a good property that fit their long-term real estate retirement planning goals. Preston, you got any closing thoughts here? No, I think we kind of here, Chris. And, you know, the nice thing about this is this is the first investment property for these investors. And it was really nice to, to be able to kind of hit, you know, I would say above a base hit for these guys. And, you know, they were able to get the property rented within a couple weeks of closing, which was really good for them. They've got uh, got a solid tenant in there now and, um, you know, just put money in the bank and they're looking to, to go buy another one here soon. Great. Well, everyone, thank you for listening. If you got questions on this deal, reach out. If you got questions on how to evaluate a property or you want to go out there and build a rental portfolio, reach out. That's what we do pretty much seven days a week. So thank you for listening. And Preston, thanks for joining me. Thanks, Chris.